Hello, residents of Meeple Town. This is Dean. Darren Ibags. And today we are continuing on with our top 50 board games, looking at numbers 40 through 31. So thanks for joining us as we seek to create community through board gaming. This is episode 140. Residents of Meeple Town, it is so good to be with you again, both in audio and video form, as we are looking into this uh, second installment of our top 50 games. But I tell you what, it's been a it's been a hard road to get here. I don't know if you can see through the the video screens that you're looking at, but man, there are some some dark circles, some 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 eye bags, some bloodshot eyes. Not a whole lot of sleeping going on. In, uh, in Dean and Darren's world these days. It's been the first week of classes, uh, at least for us at Purdue. And I know you're just starting there, Dean. Uh, are you getting any sleep down there at all? I know no. we're not much up here. <laughs> no, not in the past week I haven't. And it'll be yeah. that way for the next couple weeks, really. Um, and by yeah. next couple weeks, I mean till Thanksgiving. That's what I, <laughs> I was going to say the same gonna, thing. It's going to feel like. <laughs> yep, yep. It is a sprint to Thanksgiving. But, uh, but it's good, though. It's good. But uh, it sounds but, good. But, we we sound very excited. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. It's good. We sound a little punchy this morning. It is early. It is early in the morning after after a long week or in the middle of a long week. But but it but it's good stuff. But there hasn't been much sleep, and there hasn't been a whole lot of board gaming on this end either. That's what I was going to say. Looking at my August month, and this is always the case. It it is very very slim in my amount of plays that I've played. And I also realized I didn't log all my plays. Uh, maybe because I'm I'm tired, but I am ready. <laughs> right. September, I think I'm going to have a lot more game playing going on. I've got a, a my Mancation group planned for this weekend. We usually get a lot of games played then. Tennessee Game Days is coming up two weeks after that. And so I should be getting some good game play in then. But really until then, it's just, it's just slim pickings, as we yeah. say in Tennessee. <laughs> or I'm sure there's other places that say Slim Pickens as well. We have Slim Chickens, the restaurant. Do you say Slim Pickens in uh, Indiana? Is that a Southern thing? I don't know. Uh, well, I don't know if I hear other people say Slim Pickens up here. I say it because I'm also from Tennessee, but we too have a Slim Chickens. So somebody is saying it somewhere. Um, though I'm more of a fan of the phrase Slim Pickens than I am of the restaurant Slim Chickens. Oh. It's, like a, it's like a Zaxby's wannabe. But Wow. You know. Whatever. Whoa! That's fine. I, I have fired. a lot of people down here that would disagree <laughs> with that. A lot of people well, love slim pickets. I think it's too. It's all fried, too greasy, all that good stuff. Yeah. Bad stuff. All that bad stuff. <laughs> Same. I just want. I just want something grilled and and healthy, but hearty. But enough mm. of the chickens. What about some of the games that we've been playing? I know you, you said you you've got a little bit more coming up. I'm hoping to get some some frost haven in tonight. I'm hoping to. That we're, we're having a game night with our with our ministry this week, so I'm hoping our our plays go up. But one thing I have played a few weeks ago is a game called Halloween Party. Oh this yeah, is, yeah, yeah, I yeah. Mean, okay, no, so, sorry, so, I'm just excited to hear you talk about this. <laughs> well, good, I'm glad because we are about to enter into the fall season. Starbucks already has their fall menu out. Uh, I know people in my house can't wait to start putting out the pumpkin decorations and the the pumpkin spice candles. And so I feel like it's not too early to talk about a Halloween game. Oh, no. This, <laughs> I guess it's never too early, really. <laughs> this is a game I want to say originally came out in 2004, but, but Trick or Treat Studios just released it 
this year. Uh, this is a card game by Bruno Fiduti and uh, Gwenelle Valquin. And there's several artists and the art is the art is gorgeous. It's great. And it's three to six players. It plays in about 20 minutes. Uh, you may know this game by its older name called Knock Knock. And uh, it's a really quick, fun, just light bluffing card game where everyone's sort of having their own Halloween party. And you've got a few cards out in front of you and those are your guests. And you've got cards in your hand that will be guests for somebody. You know, they're, they're either vampires or, or ghosts or pumpkin heads or something along those lines. And so, so you have these cards in your hand and what you do on your turn is that you take a card from your hand and you offer it face down to somebody else, to one of your opponents saying, knock, knock. And then they have to decide whether or not they want to take that card from you. Now, if they do, and it's just a normal guest, and they just add it to their hand, which it'll score them points later. It's kind of a set collection game. And so each guest is worth so many points. And so if they take it, if it's just a normal card, they just add it to their hand, and now they've got potential points from the future. But there's also several icons in some of these cards. So if you offer them a host card and they take it, then you take that host card back along with their largest grouping of cards, whatever cards group they have the most of, you take those and now they're part of your party. Okay. So it's going to give you potentially more points later. Um, if you give, if you offer them a card and it has a hearse on it, then you discard their largest grouping of cards. You, I guess, kill those, <laughs> those party guests. I don't know. Oh my. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so, a little dark there, Bruno, a little dark. Um, <laughs> And, you know, but here's the thing, if you offer them a host or you offer them a hearse or, and there are several other icons in there, um, but if you offer them one of those cards and they deny it, then that means those cards come to your party and then they take those actions against you. And so there's this constant tension of bluffing of who wants what, who needs what, when do I offer this, when do I offer that? Uh, there's some cards in there that can multiply points, some cards in there takes away points. There's even a bouncer card that can stop some of the some of the host and hearsing. It's really quick. Um, it's really fun. Like I said, the art is amazing and it's really cheap. It's only like eight to ten dollars. This this is a definitely a purchase for from me. I, I really can can recommend this one. But you're excited about this one too, huh? Yeah, well, I'm you've got me excited about their games, I think is what it is. Oh, okay. Um, gotcha. I, I, I don't know if I've played any of their games at this point, but now there's several that I really want to check out. And I like, uh, I'm looking at their website right now and I like the art style of this better than, mm -hmm. better than the old version for sure. For me. Right. Uh, yes. I think this is really cool, but I, I also didn't realize, I guess trick or, trick or treat studios was a thing before they started doing tabletop games. Cause they've got a ton of stuff yes. on here. Okay. So that's a well-known thing probably that they were a Halloween mm -hmm. store and then just started making tabletop games. I want to say mask was one of the things that they um, specialized Yeah, they've got in, a lot of masks on the, the past. website. Yeah. yeah. And so they're putting out lots of games and not just trick-or-treat games. I think what Gold West is one that they've recently put out or, or are releasing here really soon. So they're trying That's to right. broaden their catalog. They have another card game like this. It's also, no, it's not Fiduti. It's uh, Emerson Matsuchi, I want to say, uh, called Tricks and Treats or Tricks or Treats. But, um, but I'll be playing that one here soon and probably talking about that in the next couple of weeks. But yeah, but, tricks, um, tricks but, yeah. and treats. That's right. And uh, who knows? We may even hear about another trick or treat studio game in today's top fifty. Ooh! But, oh! But, wow! Okay! Oh! Oh! Maybe! Ooh, maybe! Ah, ah! Little teaser. We'll have to wait and see. But what about you? What have you been playing here? If anything, it's not on my list because I just said I haven't played any of their games. So. <laughs> right! 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 Unique little... to me. <laughs> um. 
been playing a game with my son lately. We played this, uh, this has actually been a couple weeks ago. I've played games since then, but I haven't talked about this one on the show. And this is Risk. How about that? I don't know if we talk about Risk much on the show, but this is specifically mm-hmm. Risk Star Wars Edition, which is a two to four is what it says. It really is a, a head-to-head Risk game, though. Uh, well, I guess Risk is kind of head-to-head-to-head-to-head. <laughs> Um, but this is just head-to-head, really a two-player game is what I would consider right. it to be, where um, you are taking uh, you know, one of the different good-bad sides. Um, you're the, the Empire or the, the Rebel Alliance, and you're going head-to-head. And ultimately what you're trying to do is if you are the Empire, you are trying to uh, wipe out all the ships on the board. And if you are the rebel alliance you are trying to destroy the death star but first you have to take down the the shield generator and all this is done through dice rolling and card play you have a deck of cards you each have your own deck of cards and i will draw six cards and i'm going to choose three cards that i'm going to kind of pre-program sort of i'll pick three i'll put them face down and then one at a time i'm going to be drawing those out flipping those over and taking the action but you've got multiple options, so it's not like you're locked into one thing, especially if it's a card that you couldn't do anything on. You, you always have something that you can do. Now, you can be, uh, if you're the, the Empire side, you can be fighting Luke. You can be trying to take out the Millennium Falcon or the other ships. You can uh, use the, the Death Star and wipe out a whole sector of the board. And there's other things that you can do, uh, but that that really is the gist of it. But when you play the card, then you're going to roll dice to determine what happens. And it's really depending on what you're trying to do. So if I'm trying to move up, you know, if I'm the Empire, and I, or excuse me, if I'm the Rebel Alliance and I'm trying to get to the shield generator, well, I'm moving my marker up the, the track. Initially, you only need, I think, twos to move up that track. And then it gets, you know, three, four, five, eventually if they have people in your way, you're going to have to roll sixes to be able to move up that track and, and destroy the generator. And all the while you're getting bonuses. If you do these big things, like if you are Darth Vader and you defeat Luke Skywalker, you'll get all these bonus cards that you get to randomly put in that pile of cards that you're going to flip over, but you'll get a lot more actions that you'll be able to take that round compared to the other player. And that, that really is the the gist of the game. And it's, it's fast. Uh, you, know, you think of risk. A lot of times you think of, you know, what, two, three, four, six hour games that you're playing of risk. Well, this is a 30 to 45 minute game and it's a blast. And it's um, one that you can easily just set right up and, and play again. And we probably would have done that had it not been so late when we started, but we both had a had a good time with this. And that we, I actually have the, the special black box edition of this, mm. which is really nice you got the metal pieces you've got more miniatures in there for the uh for the stormtroopers and and other different things and uh the uh the production on this is phenomenal for the black box edition the other one's nice too i think but the black box is just something something special you played this one I have. This is one that uh, I, I do like this one i absolutely stink at it i'm terrible I, i'm not sure if i've ever won but the um, my, my dice rolls never go my way that I have the just a regular retail version of this and it, it feels like just a, a regular mass market board game but but man it is um it is a lot of fun I enjoyed it a lot I think okay board game hot take this oh. tells you how, how how problematic I am I think I would almost rather play this than Star Wars Rebellion 
I know. Think about that for a second. Our friend Jonathan just <laughs> he just fell over. Okay, well I'll he say didn't this: have time to turn his radio off. He just <laughs> fell over. I'll say this: I've only played Star Wars Rebellion once, and that was without like all the little special powers, just the introductory game. And it was late at night, and it took forever. And I'm okay with like the hidden movement stuff, but just one on one, that's not near as it's not near as fun. But this going one on one, it's like you said, at 30, 40 minutes, I can get my Star Wars fix in. It does feel like the end of Return of the Jedi. And I love yeah. the fact that you've got to keep up with all three major plot points going on at the same time. Um, that really is fun. And any kind of game that tells the story that you already know, but gives you a chance to tell it in a different way, like yeah. Vader corrupting Luke Skywalker or, you know, whatever. Um, to me, those are always exciting. And you've got the stand up moments with the dice roll. And if this one thing happens and the whole tide can turn, it's got some good inherent drama in there. I think it's cool. Yeah, I, I totally agree with all those things. It, yeah. it doesn't feel, you know, Risk is a pretty, I would say a pretty linear game. You know what you need to do. You need to attack. Although where, where you're going to attack is, is the big difference. But this is not. There's a lot of different things that you can do. Now, ultimately, you do have your goal. And if you don't go towards your, move towards your goal, you will lose the game. You know, there's a lot of things that you can do right. without moving towards your goal. But they're not just side quests for the sake of side quests. I mean, if you defeat either Darth Vader or Luke Skywalker, depending what time, what side you're on, that can be a huge shift because you get to take a mm-hmm. lot more actions as a result of that. And so it does behoove you to, to kind of do some extra things other than just focusing on the, uh, on the task at hand. I will say too, there are some extra rules to get online uh, or maybe some rules clarifications to get online that's recommended to balance the mm-hmm. game out. There's a, some balancing issues that people have with this. But I, I can't remember if it is literally just clarification to the rules or if the designer came back and said, hey, this is actually the way that I intended this. Gotcha. So play it this way and it's more balanced. And so if you have the balancing issue when you've played it, definitely check out the boardgamegeek.com files. And there's several different areas in there that you can find resources. Gotcha. That's why I always lose. We've never done that. So, okay, it now could, we got to go back and find the Seriously, files. it could very well be the case. It's supposed <laughs> to be pretty imbalanced if you if you don't look gotcha. up those things. Gotcha. Very problematic. Well, but that's Risk Star Wars Edition. Came out in 2015. I don't know if you can still get this. I'm, probably you can still. I think you can, yeah. yeah. Black Box might be a little bit more difficult to get, but you don't really need that, I don't think. Right, yeah. Yeah, retail's on Amazon, I'm pretty sure, still. So. Okay. Yeah. All right. Check it out. Now we're going to get to our top 40 through 31 games. Yeah. yeah. Meeple Town, we are back and we are on the video screen for you YouTubers watching this. But we are talking about our 40 through 31 games. We already talked about how we came to our conclusion of how we're going to pick our game. So if you haven't watched our 50 through 41 yet, go back and watch that. And we do a little bit of an explanation. We don't need to do that every time. I think we just jump in and we talk some games. I'm, I'm really excited. Now, I'm used to you know doing this with John, and I have a good idea for him. But I don't really for your top 50 because we've never really talked about this before. Right, so right. I'm, yeah. I'm pretty I'm, excited. I'm a total wild card. You have no clue. <laughs> what I'm going to throw at you. It's just going to like jump out at you from behind a, a bush or something. Oh, okay. All right. Like in my number 40. Oh yeah. Oh, oh, good segue. You like that. Um, which is oddly enough, a train game 
which I don't get into, but it's a train game with Cthulhu. Ooh. My number 40 is from 2018. This is Australia, designed oh, by Martin okay. Wallace. Uh, art by James Colmer, published by um, uh, Shield Mill Games and Stronghold Games. One to four players, 30 to 120 minutes. This game, I want to say, is like number 698 overall, but it's my number 40. Uh, this is a semi-cooperative route building action retrieval game. And it's a, a sequel to Wallace's uh, Study of Emerald, which I've never played. Have you ever played the Study to Emerald or a no, Study I in Emerald? have it. Have it. Okay. We need to play that sometime. I'm very curious. because I, under- I have it, but no, I haven't played it. <laughs> well, we need to play it because I feel like, like that's sort of like chapter one of this story. This game sort of takes place after that, the fallout of that game in an alternate, in a, an alternate 1930s universe and the players are adventurers looking to explore new lands and they're unfortunately going to discover the old ones down in the outback of Australia and so and the game you're using action cubes to to lay train track and 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 to move your 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 people around uh you're gathering resources and you're you're buying personality cards which give you abilities and you're building farms all the kind of typical train euroy kind of stuff but you're also hiring military units and you're attacking because eventually what's going to happen is the monsters are going to wake up. Um, time is a, is a unit, uh, a resource that is spent in this game. So every action you take involves some kind of time. And at a certain point, once everybody spends, I want to say like 22 different time units, the old ones start waking up and they start moving around the board. And so um, there's these tokens that are face down that represent the old ones. And then once they start waking up, you, you'll flip one over and there'll be a, a vent deck that you'll flip over and draw. And it'll tell you like who's going to move and how they're going to move and what they're going to do. And uh, there's also an attack deck that you'll have to draw and flip over that will tell you what kind of monster can be attacked and with what units and all that kind of stuff. Um, the game's going to end when everybody, including the old ones, spend over 53 time units or when an old one destroys your port where all of your stuff is coming in from. So this game can can last a good long while. It can last a couple hours or it can last about 10 minutes. <laughs> like yeah. the last time that I played where the first old one that, that flipped over was Cthulhu and he was right there like near my port. And so I didn't have enough military units ready to defend. And so just within minutes, he came and, and destroyed me. But I still had a blast. We were like, well, let's just set it up and go again. So yeah. um, I yeah, really love the same this thing game. happened to me last time I played that one. This yeah. is, it's so funny to think, you know, would you like to play a Euro farming game? Absolutely. <laughs> How about if we're also fighting Cthulhu and all these other monsters? Cthulhu it makes works, everything though. better. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And you can play it solo. You can play it cooperative. Um, yeah, this is a, this is a gem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I totally agree with that. This was on my list. Uh, uh, once upon a time, this was on my list. And just because it dropped off my list doesn't mean I still... That, that I don't hate the... That I don't love the game because I really do. It's It's quite a good game. Whatever. You hate all my games. <laughs> <laughs> you keep saying it. You know, that used to be on my list. I did that say that. used to be. You, you said a lot. I said that a lot last week. Martin Wallace is a great designer, though. I like a lot of his games. You're number 40, Australia. You, yeah. All right. My number 40 is a is a older game. It came out in 2010. That's not really an older game, I guess. But it is... A lot of people would consider kind of the OG card drafting game in the board gaming world. Now, I'm sure there's magic players and those people that are saying, hey, that's not the original drafting game. Well, in the board gaming world, it really was for me anyway. Um, Seven Wonders by Antoine Bauza 
really was one of the early games that got me into the hobby. And I, I've played this multiple times this year and it, it just Mm. doesn't change. I I still really, really like this game. Now what has changed this year is I played with the Armada expansion and that expansion really ramped it up for me quite a bit. I, 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 I hesitate to say that I will never play it again without that expansion because I won't. I'll, I'll introduce this game to other people and not use that expansion. But if I'm playing with people who know the game, the expansion really does add a lot where you're where you're moving up on these tracks and getting bonuses as you go along uh, while also still doing the, the card drafting for your resources and for victory points and building up your military. But your military, I think, even matters more when you're adding in that Armada expansion. And... Uh, yeah, and, and also building up your your science. Now, this is a a loose civilization game as well, I guess, but not really. Uh, it doesn't it doesn't feel thematic at all, but it does feel fun just looking at what cards I'm going to get next, picking the best one, passing them along, and then rinse and repeat and going through through three ages of that. Still love this game quite a bit. That is Seven Wonders by Antoine Bowser. Yeah, I do love Seven Wonders as well. I've said before, this is one of the games that sort of helped get me in the in the hobby. Do you have the first edition or second edition? I had the first edition, but okay. the last time I played was with a group that had the second edition. I really want that second edition, yeah. to be honest with you, but I just can't. I can't justify getting rid of my old copy and then having to rebuy everything else for it. Yeah, I, I was happy to to donate my first copy once I picked up the the second edition. I really like how they streamlined some of the you know, not just the art and some of the rules, but just the way like you're laying the cards and all that. And yep. I've got all the expansions and stuff, which again, I've not played with yet, but I really want to get that to the table with someone who who already knows the game and is looking forward to playing some of the other expansions. I'm, I'm pretty jazzed. I've got Edifice still still waiting for me at Miniature Market. But, okay. uh, but yeah, that's a great one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play it with all Edifice the is the only one that I've not yeah. played with, but I think that if I remember right, it it is Babel, like pieces of Babel or right, something yeah. like that. The and best parts Babel of Babel. Yeah. Played. Okay, yeah, and I've played with Babel and I like it too. Armada is the one that really, okay, leaders and cities are almost a, you got to get those. And then I would say Armada is is way up there too because it's just, once you've played it a ton, it adds a lot of extra replayability to it. Very nice. My number 40, Seven Wonders. Well, as long as we're talking about ancient civilizations, my number 39 takes place in ancient Rome where you're trying to improve your overall influence. This is under the reign of Emperor Trajan. The game is Trajan 2011, designed by (laughs) (laughs) Stefan Feld, uh, published by at least, I think the most recent edition was by Renegade Games. Um, Art was by Joe Hartway, two to four players, 60 to 120 minutes. I want to say maybe 112 overall. Um, Again, I think one of the the main focuses of this game is the Mancala mechanism that's sort of the driving action engine for it, where you're picking up action cubes and dropping them in these various bowls. And whichever is the last bowl you drop a cube in is the action you take, you know. And so some of the actions you're taking are you're gaining influence in the Senate or you're trading and shipping goods or you're gaining military dominance in different regions of the world or or you're gathering goods that the people need and giving it to the people because you are trying to be a benevolent ruler. Uh, and, and of course, Stefan Feld game, everything you do is giving you points in some shape, form or fashion. And um, I, I really just really love, love this game. I, I, I hope that game founder, somebody picks this up and gives it the castles of Burgundy special treatment because it's, it's not the prettiest, but as long as you're doing some Feld games, if you super duper, 
supersized Trajan, man, I think you'll have another big hit on your hand. It's it's not the strongest thematic game, but the mechanisms really do make sense. And what you're trying to do in the story of the game is is fascinating. Um, I love Trajan. Are you a fan of Trajan? How do you like Feld? Uh, yeah, this is uh, this is a really good game. I like this one quite a bit. It's it's not my favorite of the Felds. I, I oof, I'd have to go back and look at my list. I think it was a top five one though, if I remember right. Mm, it's okay. it's really good. I think this might be might have been John's favorite or something like that. Um, it is really good, oh. and I totally agree with you. I would love to see a Castles of Burgundy esque. Uh, oh, I say that I'm looking at my shelf right now with Castles of Burgundy <laughs> and seeing how much space that's taking up there. Right. I retract my statement. Maybe <laughs> maybe a deluxe version that can fit in the same size box would be nice. Yes, that would be great. But but if it's coming from somebody like uh, you know, um crap, who did that now? My mind just went blank. Awaken uh, Realms. Realms yeah. yeah, yeah. But if they're doing it, you know it's not gonna be anything small. That's true. That's true. <laughs> By any means. But yeah, but either way, that's my thirty nine Trajan. Maybe maybe Tiny Epic can uh <laughs> Then it's just Our, not the same. Speaking of trading to Japan, my what? <laughs> <laughs> nobody was speaking of that anywhere, really. Yeah. Not even just on our show, but in general, good, I think. Good segue. Um, I didn't. I didn't say this early. Seven Wonders. <laughs> I, I like to say this, but the rank overall was eighty nine. Uh, this one is uh, my number. Oh goodness, thirty nine is ranked one twenty six overall. A game by Hisashi Hayashi, and that is Yokohama. Uh, this is a game that when you look at it, you think, whoa, that is a lot going on on the board. And it is, it is. You put out this pyramid of tiles and you are moving around your little tiny meeples, your little assistants. And then your president's going to move through those assistants to a location, take the action based on how many meeples and how much power you have in that space. So it's, some of it comes from the meeples. Some of it comes from your uh, buildings that are on those tiles and your actions can be you know taking resources they can be taking new cards um they can also be uh turning in these little tiles that you've collected these little import tiles that you've collected along the way so there's lots of different things that you can do in this game but the cool thing is you're really just planning these routes based on the the way that you place your meeples out onto the board now the more players you play the board gets bigger but you're also kind of getting in each other's way because if your president's in the spot well i can't just go through there right i've got high security i can't just like go run running through that spot and so you're gonna have to in order to do certain things you'll have to pay or just not be able to take the action at all so you're you're kind of also blocking each other but it's not a mean game at all but you do kind of get in the way of each other Really cool game of, of fulfilling orders, essentially, is, is what it is. You get points for a lot of different things, but you're fulfilling orders. You're um, gaining presence in the church. You're gaining presence in uh, somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> Your presence, presence is everywhere. There we go. Your presence everywhere. President's presence is, is all throughout the land. That is Yokohama. Came out 2016. Still a fantastic game. Love this one. I love Yokohama Duel, too. Uh, which is the obviously the two-player version of that, plays differently, but quicker. And if I'm playing two players, honestly, I'd probably prefer Duel, although I love both of them. Wow. All right. Now, I've never played this one, but man, yeah, looking at the pictures, though, that is, there's a lot happening there. That's a lot of bright and a lot of busy. 
Uh, yeah, you can I play this one focus. online too. I, I went on the uh, Board Game Hot Takes podcast to talk about this. We all played it together online before and had a great time. It's a really good implementation on Board Game Arena if that's your sort of thing. It's not your sort of thing, Darren, but it's other not people's sort of, thing. sort of thing. Some people are weird like that, you know? What are you going to do? <laughs> 39, <laughs> Yokohama. All right. Um, again, we're, we're talking about some some older civilizations. This may just be the older civilization um, episode, I guess. Uh, my number 38 is a 2010 game designed by Carl Chediak. This is the card game, the civilization building card game innovation. Um, published by Asmati Games, 362nd overall. And like I said, card building game. I love my card games, especially when you take something that probably could and should be really overly complicated and you boil it down to just a simple card game with lots of depth. I'm a fan. Uh, in this game, you're basically drawing cards from different uh, ages of history and you're trying to gather various things, anything from the wheel all the way to the internet, depending on what, what age you're finally gathering from. And you're playing those things down to your tableau and you're trying to score various achievements to win the game, or if all the cards are gone to have the most points um, at the end of the game. And so along the way, you're putting these cards out in front of you, and some of them have these dogma actions that are based on how many icons you have on the cards that you have splayed out in front of you. Sometimes you're splaying them up or down or left or right, and that will change what icons you have. And so whenever you take this dogma action, um, depending on however many icons you have, will also determine uh, how many of your opponents may also be able to take that action. If they have as many icons as you, then they too can take that dogma action. So it has a little bit of that follow the leader deal. And uh, if there's any negative aspects of that dogma, then again, if they have as many icons as you, then they're not affected by that. And so you're trying to time out uh, when you play certain cards or play them certain ways or take certain actions. And some of these uh, effects can be pretty negative. It could be pretty mean, um, but it can also be, be really thinking. And, and sometimes you'll have these certain powers that just will feel completely broken. And that's okay because there's going to be some other power or effect that will also be completely broken that can kind of counteract that when it do something. And so um, it's kind of stick it to the opponent Civ game. And there's there's lots of expansions that go along with this that can expand the, the world out in various ways that can make it a lot more complicated, but none of that's really needed. Just the base game is enough. Have you played Innovation before? Yes, I have. It's been a long time. I've actually, yeah. I've really wanted to play this again. I gave, uh, gave or sold my copy to John years ago. Mm. Uh, but the Innovation Ultimate uh, really got me interested in wanting to play this again. Now, I've I did not back this, and I think this is a a done campaign, if I remember right. Yeah, yeah, it was on backer kit. It is finished, but I think they still have some late pledges and stuff you can go in and, and do. Yeah, so so, so Dean mentioned Innovation Ultimate where they've redone a whole lot of the, the abilities and the effects as well as thrown in another expansion and another age in this game. So now instead of 10 ages, there's 11 ages. Um, yeah, a lot there. The game really, goes to 11 now. It <laughs> goes to 11. But um <laughs> You know, the old game is fine, you know, but but it, it really could be a good jumping in point if you don't have it. So you did not back it. Is that what you're saying? I did not. I, I really considered it. There's just a lot of games out right now. Yeah. Uh, always. There's always a lot of games out. This one didn't grab me a ton when I played it, but honestly, I think if I went back and played it, I would really like it. I I recently played uh, Foundations, not Foundations of Rome. What is it? 
Oh, goodness. The other Carl Chuddick game that everybody loves. Oh, Glory uh, to Rome. Glory to Rome. There we go. Glory to yeah. Rome. I played that this year with Jonathan and loved that game. I thought mm. that game was phenomenal. It's impossible to find and probably always will be. I would love yeah. to be able to, to get my hands on that one. But innovation, it's. Uh, I'd, I'd like to play it again. I'll say that. And, and it does say two to four players. I highly recommend it just at two. You know, two is two is plenty. Um, for that. So, so yeah, looking for a quick sieve card game, um, that you can be just as mean and thank you as you want. Check out my number 38 innovation. All right. My number 38. <laughs> I don't know why I have a hard time counting, especially when you literally just said the number. I, I wasn't sure who went, who went first on this. So my number yeah, 30, it, up. it is my 38, right? Yes. My number 38 is another popular game. I didn't realize how so many of my games are pretty high up there on the BGG ranking list. I guess is that I'm a humble just, brag? Is that what that? No, means? it's a. I am a <laughs> follower of the crowd. Is what it is. I need to get some new material. This is one thirty three overall Luke Laurie game. That is Dwellings of Eldervale, which comes mm. in a really small box, the size of some people's houses. Really, I, this <laughs> box is gigantic. And you are laying out a tile map, hex tiles, uh, putting those out there, and you're going to be visiting those locations by putting your meeples out onto the board. So this is worker placement, but also more. So you worker place out there, you put that out, your meeples out there, take the action, and then eventually you're going to have to recall those. And when you recall them, you're going to uh, hopefully be able to place those out on other worker placement spots and then keep doing that until you are building, you have built all of your settlements, all of your dwellings in Elderville. And there's also combat in this one. So if I'm, I'm busting up in on territory of a monster or you, then we'll roll our dice and uh, just see who has the higher number. But it, it, and the combat's not really meant to be the focal point of the game, but it does exist in there. And it's it really doesn't... Um, yeah, it's it's not one of those games you're like, oh, I hate combat dice combat games. You probably won't feel that way in this game. It is more of a Euroy game. It's not a super complex game, uh, but it is but it is fun. It's a weight three point two six. Honestly, there's a decent amount going on, but it doesn't really feel like it's a heavy game to learn. But it is a giant box and a lot to look at as well. Quite fun. I played this one for the first time I think last year, and we just fell mm-hmm. in love with it. That's interesting. See, I, I remember when this one came out, just the the overabundance and overproduction of it, I think, was sort of one of the things that dissuaded me from even wanting to go near it. But but hearing you talk about it and kind of reading a little bit, that sounds like it would be a fun game. If if the, if I had some other kind of connection to it, I feel like uh, maybe I would have been interested on the front end. But it just did seems I like mention <laughs> that it has miniature monsters and that the deluxe version that I have has these audio boxes underneath them. So when I place (laughs) my monster or I move this monster to a new location, it roars based on what type of monster it is. How's that for (laughs) production? Can you give us a demonstration of what it's uh, like? Or, you know, it's funny because you've got each color has two different monsters that go with it and and you slide the, uh, the button over one direction or the other, depending on which monster that you're playing with. Although it, if I remember right, wow. it's been a minute since I've used, I don't always use the, the audio boxes on those. Um, I don't think it tells you which one is which. So you just kind of have to figure it out based on looking at the different monsters. 
gotcha. lot of replayability. I didn't also didn't mention this. There's asymmetric powers. Uh, everyone is playing with a different faction. It's not super, super asymmetric. They're, they're all really similar in how they play. They just have slight variations in the rules, but, but it still adds to it. I think it's a lot of fun to explore the different factions. Hmm. Yeah. We need so to if you play like this over games, together. do what? <laughs> I said, I said well, we should play this next time we, we get together. I'm, I'm very curious. Okay. All right. Uh, you're going to have to come to my house on this one though. Cause it's, <laughs> It will not, not fit gonna my just, car. <laughs> you won't load it up and get the trailer and drag it to, to Game Point or something. <laughs> right. Oh, that's my number 38, Dwellings of Eldervale. Well, my number 37 um, didn't originally come in a super duper huge box like Dwellings of Eldervale, but its most recent Kickstarter, I think it was on Kickstarter, its most recent crowdfunding campaign did have a ginormous coffin box that had the game and all the old expansions along with the new. This is originally in 2018, Everdale, designed by James A. Wilson, art by the great Andrew Bosley, and published by Starling Games. One of four players, plays in 40 to 80 minutes, I think 31 overall. Uh, worker placement, tableau building, where you're basically a community of woodland creatures trying to build the best community. And on your turn, you're placing a worker out on the board to gather resources, uh, really cute resources, little squishy berries or little... Uh, bits of plastic, amber, or logs, or what have you. But you're gathering these resources and you're playing cards or you're taking special actions, uh, or you're playing a card from your hand or from the meadow if you can pay for those cards or the resources that you have. You're going to put them in your little city area, which I think maxes out at, say, 15 cards. Uh, or on your turn, you're going to prepare for the next season. That's gathering up all your little workers and even um, taking a, a new worker from the, the Evertree, uh, which will also give you some, some bonuses there as you go into the next season. And so you're always trying to extend your season and, and make it go as far as you can by putting your workers out, comboing your, your cards and as you play them and trying not to forget to activate those cards <laughs> in your tableau, which I always do. I always forget to activate my critters. Um, like I said, it has lots of expansions, lovely art, fantastic components, such a, a Zen looking game. Um, half the time, I don't care that if I win or not, I just want to look at all the cards and see how they, what they do and how they interact. Um, I love Everdale. I'm pretty sure you do as well. Yeah, this used to be on my top 50. <laughs> <laughs> it did. Oh, that's Is so it going to be on there this year? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really high, really high in my top 50. Yeah. I love this style of game. I'm realizing is this, this is my jam. I love the Tableau mm -hmm. Builders a lot. And you'll see some Tableau, tableau Builders on my list for sure. This is not my favorite style of game. But it is one of my favorite tableau builders for sure. Yep. So that mm -hmm. is number 37, Everdale. My number 37 is a, another uber popular game. My goodness. <laughs> I, I should have looked through this list first. Super popular. This is ranked now number eight overall, which is wow. insane. It really does deserve it. It's Dune Imperium. Hmm. Now this wow. is a deck builder. And it is also a uh, area control. Nah, not area control. It's a you got combat. You got right. combat. That's that's what it is. You're you're putting your your pieces into a battle. Your cubes into a battle, and they'll fight it out based on the strength. They have strength, but you also have strength from your cards that you play each round. Uh, but really, it's a race game to try to. I'm oh, sorry, I said deck building. Deck building and worker placement game is what it is. But it's a race to. Uh, get a certain amount of points, 10 points, I believe is what it is. Yeah. And uh, again, you're gathering up cards, 
you're placing your workers out there to get different resources. Resources can be really hard to come by. All of them, water and spice and and uh, your everything money. nice. Yeah, and everything nice. There you <laughs> Sorry. go. Sorry. Uh, this one gets compared a lot to Lost Ruins of Arnak and uh, Endless Winter, those style of games that are not just deck builders, but they're also deck builder combined with worker placement. This one has come out on top uh, of all of those. And for good reason, I get it. Wow. I, I get it. And I think a lot of it, the combat really does change the game a lot. Now, I will say this. One of the last times I've taught this game, it was not a huge hit. Because the, I got some points, some in-game scoring cards. There's only like two, I think, in the initial, like in the base game. There might be more with the expansions. But the base game, I think there's only two, and I had both of them. And it just kind of popped out and surprised somebody at the end. That that left a bad taste in their mouth because I was teaching them, mm-hmm. and I I hated it for them. But I, I don't think they hated it. I think they they ended up liking it, but not loving it. And I think this game is a love game but there's some things that like that that are not my favorite with the game i don't know maybe that expansions change it but i don't i don't know are you saying maybe they felt betrayed Ah, by that they did they did it's pretty thematic you know there's something to to that that. (laughs) really well done though this actually made me read the book too which i enjoyed same with everybody talking about this game coming out and the movie coming out i had no interest in the whole dune universe but i thought oh okay well we'll give it a shot um, I picked up the book and read it and like, oh, I'm granted there's some problematic stuff in the whole series of books, but the storyline sure. I thought was enough that, yeah, I'm going to try this. I really love this game. It's good. Yep. 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 That's Dune Imperium. Mine number 47, 37, 30, <laughs> 37, my number 37. We're doing 40 through 31 today. Fantastic. Well, speaking <laughs> of games with traitors and betrayal, uh, mine number 36 is Dead of Winter a crossroads game? A semi co op zombie survival game where there may or may not be a traitor among you. This is designed by Isaac Vega and Jonathan Gilmore, published by Plaid Hat Games, two to five players, um, 60 to 120 minutes. I want to say 188 overall. And this is basically the Walking Dead, the board game in a lot of ways. You are a. Um, a colony of survivors and you have to go to different locations to, to gather items for the colony. But every time you go to a location, you have to roll a die to see if, if you get frostbite or if you just get a zombie bite, you know, which, which can kill you. And depending on where you are and where the zombies are, if you're in a location, you get bit by, um, by a zombie. If there's anybody else there, then they have to roll the die to see if they too get bit. And so this, these zombie bites can kind of spread, um, like a, like a brush fire, which again, very, very thematic. You also have these events and things that will come up that you're all trying to contribute to, whether you have to gather so much fuel or food or whatever, and you're, everyone has a chance to contribute, but you do that doing that face down at the end of the round, you're going to check to see if everyone contributed what you needed to survive. And um, if somebody didn't, or somebody slipped in something there that was wrong, then you've got a traitor among the group, but you don't always know if you have a traitor. And so there's that constant tension. You don't trust people uh, the entire time. And Oh yeah, by the way, zombies are trying to overrun your locations. And uh, this was, there's so much drama and there's so much tension in this. And it's so fun. Again, I'm not huge on zombie stuff, but I absolutely um, love this game. Are you a, are you a dead of winter fan? Oh boy, am I? Um, (laughs) You're going to hate me though, that I say this. (laughs) It used to be on your list. It did. And let me tell you, it really should still be on my list. And the only reason yeah, that it's it not is because I just don't have the right people to play this game with, it's which is really dependent. unfortunate. Yeah, yeah, it, it really is. You have to have the right people. The group that I would play it with, 
uh, which is Steven. He'll be listening. He'll be the first person listening to this episode. He doesn't love the hidden traitor games. Oh, Steven's the best part. Yeah, I know. I love, love hidden traitor games. And the people that I would play with would include him. And so it's just, it's not going to happen. I, Yep, this is one of my favorite games, though. You probably, I don't think, I don't think this is on my list this year, but it normally is, and it just dropped off because I haven't played in a while. That being said, when this came out, I was super hyped on it, and they have the whole, you know, the crossroads idea of games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That has not panned out the way that I had hoped that it would, unfortunately. There's the Gen 7 game, Freelancers, uh, that is out now, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um I think there was another one that I'm missing in there. Uh, but the, oh, well, the one I was going to say, Forgotten Waters. I love Forgotten right. Waters. That's a fantastic game. The other ones I've just not played, I would yeah. like to, but I, I think I had something different in mind of how those were going to work out. Yeah, yeah. I've not been really interested in in those as, I, I love the crossroad system in this. And I know some people don't, but I love that element of the person to your right flips over a card and they read it. And depending on what happens on your turn, they may or may not interject this story element, which I think always involves these really interesting ethical and moral decisions. You know, oh, you yeah. found a group of survivors. If you bring them back to your thing, you're going to have to feed them. Do you do that? Because if if you do, then if you can't feed your people, then the zombies come in. So, or do you just leave them behind, let the zombies eat them? You know, so you have to have these kinds of conversations as a group. Ah, I love it. It's so good. I would like, when you're in town, uh, maybe even next time, I would like to see if we can get a group to play this game. Honestly, uh, Jamie, awesome. Jimmy Epstein, maybe he'll play that with us. Um, local guy listens to the show, good friend. And, uh, I, I think he might, we might be able to convince him to play this with us too. That would be awesome. Oh, this is yep. such a good game. Great pick. Yeah, it is. It is a zombie killing story driven Euro game. My number 36 dead of winter, a crossroads game. All right. Uh, I want to change my list now. (laughs) (laughs) You should. But I won't. I'll stick with my junky games that I got. (laughs) My number 36 is a uh, a bit of a tricky one. This is in the Clank universe. Um, I specifically put Clank Catacombs down here, which is the one that just came out last year. Clank is a deck, another deck building game similar to like a, a quest for Eldorado where you're moving around to different locations but in in clank what you're doing is moving around and you're trying to collect uh, you're getting points you're going to collect an artifact once you get an artifact then you got to get out of there you got to get out of dodge and so you got to go back up to the surface and everyone else is trying to do the same thing but they can't unless they get an artifact too so they need to also get an artifact to go back up to the surface even if they don't make it all the way out uh if they make it all the way out they'll get a bigger bonus but even if they don't they'll still have a chance to win the game just based on the points that they have, they barely escape. You know, somebody pulls them out of the out of the dungeon. What Clank Catacombs does, though, is you are exploring a dungeon, and that's that's the part of Clank that I don't love. Even though I really like regular Clank and Clank in Space are both really fun, but you're flipping over tiles in Clank Catacombs to explore these different locations, and it really changes up the game so much every time. There's a lot more variability, I believe, when you when you add those tiles. As of right now, there's only the the base game of this, and I I'm wanting to say that there was a I'm not seeing it on here. I thought they had announced an expansion. Maybe I'm I'm misremembering mm. that. I cannot imagine a world where they don't have expansions right. to this game. Um, that's just what they do. Direwolf, who also did Dune Imperium, I didn't make that right, connection right. until yeah. just right now, or you know, I wasn't thinking about it. 
but they'll have expansions for this game, which I think is going to add a lot more and a lot more and maybe even do different themes with it. I'm excited to see what they have in, in store for this one. But it's it's a really cool game. This one's ranked number 286 overall. But my guess is Clank is probably still a top 100 or top 200 game is probably. I'm not looking at it, but it's it's usually ranked pretty high. Yeah, I've I've not played Catacombs. I do like just the, the, the original Clank and I've got a few expansions for that that I don't feel like I've played enough of to to justify like picking up catacombs you know i'm so afraid because direwolf does such a good job with their expansions and all their games that can easily be a rabbit hole to go down i've um i, I like the, the the original clank with with the board and still having to strategize where to go in or where not but i do love that idea of flipping tiles over that exploration um mechanisms of not knowing where you're going in catacombs and it'd be fun to play um i'm just scared too but, yeah, I've, I've had Clank on my sale pile about three times now, and I just can't quite pull the trigger good. on it. It's good. It is really good. It is good, but I don't think I need it because of Clank Catacombs. They're they're really, really similar. I just think Catacombs yeah. is the better version of it. My wife prefers Catacombs, so mm-hmm. and she doesn't really love Clank, and so I don't have any ah, reason to hold well, on to you it. there you go. But, yeah. But I've got, I think, three expansions for it, too, which is, really, <laughs> I don't know. It's just hard. But anyway, is. that is my number 36, Clank Catacombs. Fantastic. Well... We're going from the dungeons to the cathedrals. My number 35 is a 2020 game, The Red Cathedral, to be exact. This is designed Ooh. by Israel Sandrero and Sheila Santos, art by uh, Shima Roman and Pedro Soto, published by DeVere. We're, we're big fans of, of DeVere publishing and the games I've been putting out here lately. And The Red Cathedral, for me, was the one that put DeVere on the map. That made me pay attention to what they were doing. In this game, you are construction teams trying to build St. Basil's Cathedral in Moscow. And the sections of the cathedral are made up of these cards, which which changes depending on the number of players that you have. It'll determine like how many cards and in what row that they're in. And on your turn, you can like claim a section of the cathedral that you're going to try to build. And of course, each section is going to be worth so many different types of points. And the more sections of the tower you finish, the more points you will score at the end. And you can also score points for putting these uh, these really neat components, these decorations on the the cards on the sections on the sections of the cathedral that you build and you know all of this stuff that you're trying to do takes money and it takes resources which you acquire from the main focus of the game and that's the main board is divided up into a rondelle and this rondelle is divided into sections and each section has dice that based on the pip values you will move them around the rondelle to take certain actions and then once you once you do that you'll roll that dice or die and you'll leave it there you know for for someone to use on a later turn and you can also gain favor from the gills that give you special actions and, and abilities and resources. And it is such a clever game. I love games that are are set in some type of uh, historic, um, especially a geographic location that either I have visited or would like to visit one day. And I'm a sucker for cathedrals. And so the Red Cathedral was a big hit with me um, before I even opened the box. So this, this is such a good game. And you like this one as well, don't you? Don't you, Dean? I do. I do. And I'm also excited to get White Castle uh, mm, to yes. be able to talk about that at some point. But yeah, Red Cathedral's fantastic game. Uh, I don't know if it's my favorite. No, I don't think it is my favorite of their games, but it's it's up there. It's really, really good. It is very good. Yep, yep. That is my number 35. I don't know if I said it. 187 overall. Uh, my number 35, Red Cathedral. All right, my number 35, speaking of places that you have gone or places that you want to go, my number 35 is Project Elite, 
where you are trying to stop the invading forces of aliens coming <laughs> to your base. Is that a place where you want to go to space? Is that what you're saying? You've been there. I want to go. I want to go to space. Oh, okay, got you. And get attacked by aliens. Uh, uh, although these are some mm, some pretty nasty aliens in this game. <laughs> they're they're bad, bad, bad aliens. This they give mm. aliens a bad name for sure. Project Elite has some similarities to Zombicide. This is a Come On Games game. Come on, uh, where you are trying to fight off these alien hordes. Now you're you have different scenarios that you are in. So one might be that you are trying to uh, you're trying to collect specimens so that you can study them. And so you have to go out and, and collect specimen and bring them back, or you might have to uh, destroy the nest or, you know, there's lots of different things that you can do in this one, but here's the trick. It is a real time game. It's real time in the sense of I am rolling dice as fast as I can, similar to escape, uh, escape curse of the temple, mm-hmm. rolling dice as fast as you can moving, fighting off monsters, fighting off those aliens gaining weapons and and you know you're searching just like you would in zombicide gaining better weapons to be able to complete your task and then even after you do that you do do this in two minute stints so i go hard for two minutes take a break breathe for a minute and then go back at it for two minutes even after you complete the the scenario you have to make it back to the base which is sometimes the tricky part because you only get eight rounds to be able to do this Hmm. and so you're fighting as hard as you can. And even if you can't get back, if you do all that and can't get back to the base, you're still going to lose really fun game. Big hit for my family as well. If you like real time games, if you like Zombicide and you like real time games, this is, this is a absolute no brainer. If you don't like real time games, you still might like it because I've played with people who don't care for that style, but still really like this game. Big hit with a lot of different types of, of gamers, uh, Rado really likes this one. Tom really likes this one from Dice Tower. So it's I, I hear good things. Yeah, I think a lot of people like. Well, I'll tell you, I, I think you you said that real time games can they have the ability to hit a lot of different types of gamers. Even though a lot of people don't like the stress that comes along with a real time game, like That's my right. wife doesn't like that kind of stuff. But Escape, she loves Escape. <laughs> you know, we can all play Escape, yeah. Curse of the Temple. Um, really like that game. I've not played this one, but. Does she like alien theme stuff? She she does it. Anything of space oriented, she's she's out. And okay. you know, I'll be honest, space isn't always a slam dunk for me either, which is one of the reasons why I initially wasn't wasn't big on this. But playing this type of game with with people that you know, you know, it would just be a blast. I think so. It, you know, it's funny yeah. because if you like zombie games or monster games. Really, this is the same thing. It's not a space game at all in that sense because you're not exploring space. You're on land and they're attacking you like zombies in zombie games would. So if you look at it from that perspective, uh, I could see it. I I really like Escape Curse of the Temple. I prefer this Mm -hmm. to that, but both of them are really fun. Yeah, that is my number. I got to look it up again. Good grief. My number 35, (laughs) Project Elite. It was also six. Oh, goodness. Six. 79 overall on BGG. Mm, gotcha. Well, all right. Well, speaking of fighting monsters and that might show up one day in your nightmares, my number 34 is a Trick or Treat Studios game designed by the good doctor, Reiner Knizia. This is Nightmare Productions. Although in this game, you're not fighting off nightmares. Um, you're actually auctioning and bidding for them. This is <laughs> <laughs> this is a two to five player game. 
lasts about 60 minutes, uh, 926 overall. But I really hope this one climbs up the charts a little more because, again, it's an auction game where you're trying to earn the most points uh, by making the most money and by trying to make the best or sometimes the worst horror film. I think originally this was, uh, I want to say, called Trum Fabrique. And it was also, um, there's another more more recent version, maybe in the, the 90s, it was based in Hollywood. Uh, either way, movie game. Everyone has these different movie cards that you're trying to make. Uh, you're trying to build a different type of creature feature. And you're trying to recruit different creatures for your film. Um, sometimes you're trying to, to bid on creatures or locations for the film to be filmed on. Or certain types of directors or musical conductors or, or cameo appearances or contractors. Everyone has these different films that they're bidding, that they're trying to meet the requirements for, and you're bidding on these different tiles. And so the the bidding is very simple. It's just the basic rising offer kind of action. I bid $200. Well, I bid $400. It's just basic auction. But whoever wins the auction divides the money that they pay equally among their opponents. And whatever is left over that doesn't divide equally goes on to the next tile along with the next grouping of things that you're bidding on. So the pot kind of gets uh, gets better and better, a little sweeter and sweeter. There's various movie awards you can win along the way by being the first uh, the first person to, to have this kind of monster in your movie, the first one to, to do this with this kind of a director. You know, you have various awards you can win. You can win um, like best picture at the end of the game. You can also win points for having the the worst picture with like the, the lowest rating of all the movies in the game. Uh, just love the tension of this that involved that's involved in the bluffing. And w- one of the best parts is when you're done filming, when you're done completing the uh, requirements for that film strip, you can put it aside and then you can tell everyone the story of your movie. You know, this is the creature from the deep that starred a werewolf that had this kind of director. And it's, it's just, it's just a lot of good bidding fun. You've not played this yet though, have you? no. No, but I've been looking up pictures, and I gotta say, <laughs> I, I was gonna ask you if it if it's a gruesome style, like artwork style or anything like that, is gruesome. Uh, no, no, no more than say you might think like a like a eighties campy horror film VHS VHS box kind of deal. It's not, you know, they're like little creepy monsters or what have you, but there's no blood, there's no gore, nothing like that that I can recall. It just looks like it could be. It's more okay. campy than anything. You need to do this. Maybe not now, but at some point. Look at look through the images of this game. The Brazilian edition of this game is called uh, Chine Pipoca. Uh, I, it's the best I can pronounce that. Chine Pipoca. Okay? Okay. The art on this is phenomenal. Oh my goodness, it's so amazing. The art for the different films that they have, it's like... Uh, Forrest Gump sitting on his bench and a T-Rex <laughs> from Jurassic Park is about to eat him. You've got Sloth from Goonies in the pose of American Beauty, like the oh, the funny. front, is it American Beauty? I think that's right. <laughs> With like the rose petals and all that. You gotcha. have the, the men in black holding a, holding a alien like ghost, like the forming the pottery of ghost. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it, it is. Oh, and one more. This is the, <laughs> The Shining, the um, Jack Nicholas from The Shining, uh-huh. with his head through the door of uh, one of the doors from Monsters Inc. <laughs> it's that's so, funny. Now, it's now, so insane, of, but I love it. 
Now, now, none of that's going to be in Nightmare Productions. That's going to be one of the other versions of the game, like Dream Factory or Hollywood Blockbuster or something. But And all of those are out of print or, like you said, maybe in another country. So so don't get too hype about those pictures. But if you can track that down, I'm sure that would be too exciting. Late. I'm hype. I'm ordering it from Brazil. <laughs> Go for it. Is it language independent? Can I? Is there reading on the cards that I need to? Uh, as far as I know, just the titles of, of the yeah. movies and things. You know, that would be... That would be yeah. There's icons that kind of tell you everything else, but Ooh, but yeah. Okay, all right. I'm I'm pumped. I'm going to leave this up on here. <laughs> We're going to see if we can find this one. Alrighty, a, a, a good campy horror movie bidding game from the Good Doctor. That is my number thirty-four. Nightmare Productions. Yes. Sorry, I stole your thunder on that. I'm sure that game is. No, no, no. Fine. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my number. 34 is, uh, I'll go through this one pretty quickly because I, I just talked about the real-time version of Zombicide. How about we talk about the, the uh, just Zombicide, okay? Like, not real-time version, but just plain old Zombicide. Actually, Zombicide Black Plague is what I'll talk about. Maybe Zombicide Green Horde. I didn't order any of the white, whatever that one was called. I forget what it was called. The newest version of that. But Zombicide Ooh. Black Plague is what I'll talk about. It's a medieval version of Zombicide where you are chucking dice to beat zombies. You have all these different scenarios you're trying to do, going to collect these different items or you know, trying to get out of dodge or whatever it is. Lots of different scenarios. Ultimately, though, you are going around searching buildings for better weapons, better items, and then you are uh, going around defeating zombies. Just a really fun game. Steven, who I mentioned earlier, a listener of the show and one of my closest friends, this is his favorite game. And so if I want my zombie side fix, then I got to play with Steven, which is totally fine with me. And it just hit me that he won't play Dead of Winter with me. So that is uh, ridiculous. What's up, Steven? What's up with that? And he loves Walking Dead. I mean, loves Walking Dead. Hmm. It's full of betrayal. (laughs) He doesn't like lying. He's a good guy. All right, but that's it. That's uh, you've heard me talk about it a ton on the show before. Zombicide Black Plague, or really just any kind of zombicide that I've played, I enjoy. It's ranked two thirty two overall. I'm guessing Zombicide Vanilla first or second edition is probably ranked higher than that. Probably so. And again, I've not played any of those. I wouldn't mind playing Black Plague. I think the kind of the medieval kind of thing would be would be fun to do but i i want you to try i know last week we talked about uh night of the living dead i want you to try that one and, and give me a comparison because from what i can tell from what i hear yeah they're both zombie side but they play very differently so yeah it seems like they do uh, secret ball talked about the both versions at one mm, point it sound okay. like it sound like it is quite a bit different i would like to try uh night of the living dead for sure that is my number 34 zombicide black plague uh, I was trying to think of a really cool segue to do to go from from zombie side to to my game, and I just I just can't think of one. So my number thirty three is is uh, from twenty twenty one, but I don't think it really hit the states until twenty twenty two. You're not dealing with the undead; you're dealing with the 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 very much the living living animals in a zoo that you're trying to build yourself. This is Ark Nova. Designed by Matthias Wig, uh, art by Stephen Beaker and Loic Below and Dennis Lohausen and Christoph Tisch. This is published by Furland Spiel and Capstone. Um, one to four players, 90 to 150 minutes. Like I said, really a 2022 game. Number four overall on the BGG list. 
what a meteoric rise, and that is not saying a mediocre, but like a meteor, has really just just taken off. <laughs> um, in the game, you're and we, we talked about it a few weeks ago uh, in our recent plays, I believe. But you're you're trying to build the most appealing zoo while working towards conservation at the same time. It's often compared to terraforming Mars because uh, there's lots of cards with tags on them, and you're trying to draft and play certain cards into your your area in front of you and um, trying to basically in some ways set collection, grouping certain tags for to, to activate certain abilities and to score certain points and get certain benefits. Um, you're taking actions to, to build enclosures and put them on your map. There's the scoring track, which is kind of a highlight of this one, where you have your appeal track that goes one way around the board and you have your conservation track that goes the other way around the board. And once those two things cross that the, the end of the game and whatever that difference is will be your point total. But really the highlight for me is those five action cards that you have to take that again, you've seen in civilization new dawn. You see even recently in the cooperative game, Disney animated that you talked about. That's a week right. or two ago. Uh, but you've got a, a, these five action cards that let you take a card action or a build action or an animal action or an association's action or a sponsor action. And then if they're like, if you spend that action in the five spot, then you get to take that ability like to the fifth power and then it goes down to the beginning and everything else slides up. And so just that tension of knowing what to spend and when to spend and trying to upgrade those cards, uh, building your enclosures, Ark Nova, great, great, great game. I won't say too much about it. We spoke about it a lot a week or two ago. That's right. Ark Nova, I got to be honest, I think this one might be falling for me a little bit. I've been playing this uh. one online a lot and it is... I've had some bad games just and this is a personal thing, but if I don't get the right cards, sometimes it can be a frustrating experience of not being able to build up a, a money engine in this one. I've really stalled out okay. in this one big time at times. And that just has put a, a sour taste in my mouth for some of these, which I, you know, I just mentioned loving tableau building games, <laughs> but right. some of them like this and terraforming Mars have fallen for me a little bit. Still, still really enjoy them. They're fun games. I, I mean, I'm, playing Ark Nova all the time. It's just not quite as, as strong as I used to like it. Yeah, no, I get that. I get that. I know that's a problem for, for some. I Part of me feels like I wonder if I like the the tactical nature of trying to pivot and when to cut your losses. Uh, I like that so much because when I come into a game, I don't come in with a strategy. Like I'm clueless. So knowing that every anybody can get screwed by how the cards come out, takes some of the pressure off of someone like myself. And so I'm totally fine with, oh, this isn't working. All right, let's do something else. It can be frustrating for sure. But um, that has yet to at least put me off thus far. But that is my number 33, Arc Nova. All right. My number 33. Also, that one's ranked pretty high, too, if I remember right. It's, is it top 10 yet or up there? What, Arc Nova? Yeah. Did you not hear me? I made a whole big deal about it being number four overall. Did you just zone out? <laughs> I got a text. I'm sorry. I looked at my phone. Oh, that sorry. was bad. Bad radio there, Dean. Dude, Come on. That, be, be bad better. friend. What are you talking about? I know it. I know. Number four. That's that's nutso. Okay. Uh, all right. Now you can tune out while I'm talking. This is I will. the number number 116 overall, the OG, some would say, of the deck builders. That is Dominion. Still one of my mm. favorite deck builders with so many combinations of cards that you can put together. You're going to play with 10 different uh, cards that you're going to be able to to buy and put into your deck. And that will those will change dramatically every game uh, as you put in different sets you can play i don't know billions or trillions of different combinations that you can play 
And I just played this one recently and it, it did not disappoint. And, and it wasn't even like my favorite combination of the cards that were out there. It was just, I really enjoy this one at all different player counts, but basically you're going to be buying cards and, um, putting them into your discard pile. Whenever you get through the cards of your draw pile, you'll shuffle all those up and then start all over again. And in this game, you're trying to, uh, you're trying to get the most points and the game triggers by, uh, the amount of different piles of cards that are gone. Or if you get rid of the province deck or the, um, whatever the next one is after the province col- or col- colony, I think is what it is. Got me. I, th- I think that's right. But I, I play with lots of different sets. I actually started, stopped after guilds, I think may have been the last one that I got. And there have been, I don't know, six sets or something since then. And the, guilds was, this is the last one we're going to do. And then since then, it's just been every year still. Uh, and it's too much to keep up with. And I've heard great things about the new sets. I don't know if they match up with the first edition cards that I have. And I don't really... Like Seven Wonders, I don't have a, a desire to go back and rebuy everything to get the second edition. So I'll stick with what I got. Um, you know, Dominion's one of those that um, I played. My first deck builder that I ever played was Star Realms. Okay. And so mm-hmm. after that, ooh, I want to try Dominion. And so I broke, you know, I borrowed it from a friend. I broke it out trying to teach it to my daughter. I, we got to like the first round or two. I'm thinking, this is boring. You want to just play Star Realms? She was like, yeah. So we put Dominion aside and we played Star Realms. That's as far as I've ever gotten with Dominion. I, wow. I know there's, yeah, I know. I know there's so much love for it, but I just, I feel like there's just too much that, at least again, just the base game, it took me too long to kind of get anything going and having just played Star Realms, which felt so much smoother and faster. I've not really done a whole lot with Dominion. Yeah, there. I get that. And there's a lot of people that are in that camp of not really caring for Dominion. There's also a lot of people that will say, if you're just, you just got to buy the money cards and then you can buy all that up. (laughs) Right. And I get that. I get that. Even if that is the great strategy to do, it's not the way that I play it. For me, the fun is the, the exploration of of trying to, you know, see how the different cards combo with each other, which also means I lose this game a lot because I'm not necessarily (laughs) going for the peak strategy on it. Right. Right. Yeah. I think you should give this one another chance. Although I don't know if you need to, I mean, it's, it is a pretty Simple deck builder. There's, There's lots of those. So there, many. Good, yeah, you've already talked about one. So you're putting this above Dune Imperium. Yeah, I am. I am. Um, and, and part of that is because the, I could play this with anybody. Uh, mm. It's a lot easier to get to it's the true. table. I, I think Dune Imperium is not as good at two players, whereas is uh, Dominion. You can play it all player counts. It doesn't really change that much, and it's so fast. Every turn is so fast, and and gotcha. Dune Imperium. It slows down a little bit for sure hmm. at different times. If you say so. Ah. <laughs> you have to stop the deck building part to do like making decisions this about your placement. This is true. And it also is not when a the battle happens. Builder. Yeah. Yeah. All right, grandfather. Yeah. <laughs> Old man dominion. <laughs> My number 34. Nope. No. Ah, dang it. 33. My number 33 dominion. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, Speaking of corn, uh, my number 32 is number, <laughs> this is a 2012 game. This is Zulkin, the Mayan calendar. Did I know that you like this game? I don't know if I did. I don't know. I don't know if we've ever really talked about it before. This might be the heaviest one on your list so far. Yeah, I don't think so. 
Oh, okay. Might not be. Might not be yeah. the heaviest one. <laughs> well, double check. I, I want to say Ark Nova is heavier than this one, but I could be wrong. Oh, you're probably right. That but um, but no, I, this was the first tea game I ever, as a matter of fact, this could be the only tea game I've ever played, to be honest. But uh, again, designed by Simone Luciani and Danielle Tashini. Uh, this is, uh, art is by Milan Vavron and published by CGE. Two to four players, 90 minutes. Number 57 overall. A 2012 game is still hanging in there right in the middle of the pack. This is a dynamic worker placement game. And by, by dynamic, I mean you are putting your worker on one of these huge, large gears that are on the board that will turn over time. And so um, depending on where that gear is and where your worker has whatever action your worker is at, whenever you decide to take it off of the board, that is the action you will take. You don't take the action when you put it down, you take it when you pick it up and that will change as time passes. And so the timing is really the, the key feature of the game. There's also these, these tracks that you're moving up. And like I mentioned, there's lots of corn. Corn is like one of the main resources in the game. And there's also crystal skulls. And so uh, I, <laughs> this, you know, this, uh, I think of this game every time that you see the movie like Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull, whatever the that whole um, time period and, and area of the world. Uh, the the history behind some of that is really fascinating. Some of the cultural stuff around this is fascinating. The components in the game, the Crystal Skulls, the gears are are just super cool. Uh, really, just enjoy uh, Zolkin, the Mayan calendar. You asked, you said you didn't know that I like this one. Are you a fan of this one? I enjoyed this one. I've only ever played this online. Uh, mm, okay. And it was during COVID when we were trying to find games to play that we didn't play in person. This is one that I think we reviewed from our online plays. Okay. And I enjoyed it. I just, I obviously, I'd probably enjoy it more if I was playing it in person, but I just haven't like, done it. I haven't done like it. Like every game is better in person, Dean. That's right. What's better, this or Indiana Jones and the Crystal <laughs> You know, everybody kind of hates on that one. I still enjoy it. I still enjoy it. And they'll take about the same amount of time to play, you know, or to watch. But um, I'll go with Zulkin if I had to choose between the two. Okay. We might have lost some listeners <laughs> if you went the other direction on that one. <laughs> <laughs> that is my number 32, Zulkin, the Mayan calendar, better than Indiana Jones Christmas School movie. My number 32 might be our first overlap here. Oh, This is oh, on your crossover. list from last week. Yeah, a little, oh. a little crossover action. This one's ranked 30 overall. And it is a game that came out in 2014 by Reiner Stockhausen. That oh. is Orléans. Orléans. Orléans is a uh, bag builder like Darren talked about last week and uh, much better with the geek up bits that you can find on the board game geek store. You are drawing the tokens out of your bag, putting them on your player board, and then eventually taking the actions once you've filled up those spots, building up new um putting new tokens into your bag, but also moving up on tracks that will give you different bonuses and help you get points and all that stuff. You're exploring around a map, all kinds of cool things. I really enjoy just the base game of this one. I'm totally mm. fine with that, but I really do like having that extra board that comes with the trade and, and intrigue, I think is the name of that expansion. Mm -hmm. The one that comes with that extra yeah, yeah. board, which in my opinion, I think is better than the base game board of where you're uh, kind of retiring your pieces to. There's cooler things that happen, but also the, the solo slash cooperative version of this, I think is really cool. And I've enjoyed my plays of that as well. 
But overall, if I only have the base game, it's still going to make my list and probably around this same spot is my guess. Really cool game. Obviously, we know Darren loves this one. That's yeah. Orleon. Like it a lot. Still in my top list. Hasn't changed. Top my, list. <laughs> ah, top list. <laughs> uh, speaking of top list, this is the end of my top list for today. My number 31 is uh, one of the first... I guess you would say hybrid games that I ever played, you know, a hybrid between like a Euro and a, and a Meritrash game in which I feel like you really can't say anymore. It was, uh, most games are, are hybrids these days. But when I was getting to the hobby, this is, this is one of those that really jumped out at me. There's a mix between the two. This is from 2015 Champions of Midgard, mm. designed by Ole Steinus and art by Jose David Lanza Cibrian and Victor Perez Corbella, published by Gray Fox Games, two to four players, 60 to 90 minutes. This is still, it's up there. It's 125 overall. So still, still lingering near the, near the top 100. This is a worker placement dice rolling game where you are leaders of Viking clans trying to gain the most glory and become the next Jarl of the village that you're there to protect. You're putting out your workers to get food. Well, meat. Let's be honest. You're, you're, you're just eating meat. Uh, no vegetables or anything in this diet. You're putting out workers to get meat or gold or to get other workers. And you're also using those to try to recruit various warriors, which are different colored dice. And the dice have different symbols on them, like swords or axes or spears or shields. It's almost a whole worker placement round is over. You're using your dice to go fight monsters. And sometimes you can you can send your, your workers across the seas, uh, not your workers, but your warriors across the seas to fight monsters, which means you've got to feed them for the long journey or they starve. If you don't have enough food, you, you lose workers. Uh, sometimes you, you have to go fight the troll because if someone doesn't fight the troll, then everybody gets a shame token. But if you're the one that goes and fights the troll, then you can give somebody else a shame token. And those end up accumulating into negative points at the end of the game. So when you fight, you're rolling the dice. And if you have more attack symbols than the health of the monster, then you kill the monster. But if you don't have more attack symbols than its health, then you will lose one die for each damage that that monster will, will do to you. And uh, so, yeah, so there's that constant, constant tension of, you know, how many monsters or how many uh, warriors do I send to go fight these monsters? I got to have enough to go hunt or have to have enough to go here. And there's expansions that, that most people will say are necessary. I don't think they are. I'm fine with the base game, but the Valhalla expansion is helpful because it lets you take those Viking warriors that were killed in battle. And you don't just lose them to the supply. They actually go to Valhalla and they can do things there to gain you glory in the afterlife. And so at the end of the game, you know, whoever has the most glory, wins because that's that's what life's all about um so yeah love champions of of midcard so much fun and you're a fan of this one i know it, it, it's your favorite viking game isn't it uh yeah. <laughs> say it say it. it's your favorite viking game it is not it's one of my favorite <laughs> viking games that is for sure i like this one and i i'm with you i think the base game is good really good i will say i i do think the valhalla really does ramp it up quite a bit and dark mountain i don't think you need that one but it is it is fun to have different dice i mean who doesn't want that i yeah i don't remember which one has the leader die in it the the blue die that adds i want to say that's valhalla yeah 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 because that's cool too i like i like Mm -hmm. that one quite a bit um valhalla yeah i would almost put this in the it will why not if you like if you like right. this game, you're going to love it with Valhalla, I think. So, yeah, yeah great game. Yep. Really cool. 
Yep. And, and there's more coming out in this world. We mentioned before, September 5th, in theory, on Kickstarter, Gray Fox is coming out with two new games in this world, Reavers of Midgard, the card game, and um, Clans of Midgard, which is a roll and write game. So we'll see um, see what we make of that when that hits. But that is my number 31, last of the day, Champions of Midgard. Great pick. Used to be on my list. My number 31. <laughs> <laughs> my number 31 has been on my list for a while. Uh, probably up in higher positions than it is right now. This one is Underwater Cities, which mm-hmm. is... Oh, I'm trying to find out the date of this one. Came out in 2018, rank 42 overall. So I'm sticking with the... Everybody loves these games. Uh, Underwater <laughs> Cities is a tableau building game that has not fallen for me like some others have. For some reason, I don't really know why. Maybe it's a little bit different because this one you are placing workers cards out onto a board and onto these different locations either it's uh, red green or yellow and if you place them uh, and you have to place a card with that if you place the card that matches that same color you're also going to get the bonus that's listed on that card so there's some some strategy there with how you are uh, the, the cards that you are keeping to be able to, uh, to be able to play out that you want to give yourself some options is what I'm getting at. And you are building these underwater cities. You're building these, these domes. You're going to be building these different buildings around that. They're going to be an engine building for giving you money and giving you plankton and giving you steel. And you're using those resources for a lot of different ways uh, to a lot of different things, often building up more things onto the board, but you're also able to trade those in with different cards. You are engine building with the cards that you're putting in your tableau as well. And uh, that's it. That That's kind of it. Really, really cool game. You got some in-game scoring stuff if you want to go that route as well. Have you played this one, Darren? I have not. It, it looks pretty. Um this one gets compared a lot to terraforming Mars. Why is that? It is because of the tableau building and you're instead of, you know, building out the map on Mars, you're building your own city. The difference is I'm not, we're not building this together. I'm building my mm. own underwater city with these different domes and the, the, uh, they're not roads, but they're like roads between the different domes. Um, so I, I it, guess that's where the comparison is. I've compared them before in the past yeah. And I one time said Terraforming Mars was the better game. I have shifted. I think Underwater Cities Ooh. is. And and I play them both a decent amount, too. Uh, yeah, even online. I play this one on Yukata uh, pretty pretty often. Yeah. And if you know and the game well, it's it's done really well on there. Have you played this one in person, or has it just been digital? No, no, no. I played this yeah. one a lot in person. Okay, too. yeah, yeah. I was going to say, because it's... Yep. Go ahead. <laughs> Sorry, I was going to say there's geek up bits for this one too with the different resources that are really pretty, but I don't, it'd be really hard to learn how to play this one online for me because I struggle with difficult games just learning and only playing them online. Gotcha. Yeah, just looking at some of the pictures, it looked like it had some nice components. I figured that would be um, part of the draw for you. No, it looks good. It looks fun. Yeah, and you might be looking too, the, the dual layer boards come in the expansion. Mm hmm. You don't have to have the expansion. It is nice having the dual dual layer board so that stuff doesn't get moved around, especially because you have to stack disc on top of each other, the the tiny ones, and those can get knocked over sometimes. So, gotcha. I recommend yeah. it, but you don't have to have it. It's fine either way. But you but recommend the game regardless. 
I would hope so, since it's my number 31 <laughs> underwater cities, which is a uh, game by Vladimir Suki too, which is a, a wonderful designer, somebody I, I enjoy a lot of his games for sure. And that is going to do it, right? That that's it for that this it. episode we are... where we where we are cranking through these fifty games. Got through forty through thirty one. Obviously, next is thirty through twenty one. We're going to put that out next week. Now, the video schedule of this is a little bit later. This is as we mentioned earlier in the podcast episode, a crazy busy time for Darren and I. So I can't say for sure when the video of this is going to come out. Hopefully, in the next two weeks is my guess, but we'll see. It won't be a year later like the last uh, top 50 videos, right? It will probably not be a year later. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, that is episode 140. If you want to get in touch with us, you can connect with us through all the social media outlets on Instagram and Facebook and X at mm. Meepletown Games. You can go to the Board Game Geek Guild 3407. I highly recommend getting plugged into the Discord channel where we have lots of good conversation going on there about board games and and board games and, and non-board game related things. Lots of fun conversation happening in general. It's become one of my favorite like uh, social media places to go these days because we're interacting with with people every day and and sharing sharing love for something that we all enjoy, which is board games. <laughs> and, yeah, I haven't been in there in a while, but I uh, hope to get back in there this week now that things are slowing down a smidge. Yeah. And sit tight. If you've sent in some questions, we've had some questions sent in through Mail at gmail.com. Keep sending those in. We are not going to hit those up until we get through this list. So if you've sent something and you haven't heard us ask a question, that's why. So in about a month, we'll, we'll start getting back to those questions. And until next time, thanks for coming down to Meepletown. Later. Okay, Darren, I got a joke for you. Bring it. A little different. A little different. I hope so. I'm not even going to give you context before I ask you this. (laughs) All right? Okay. Which Dune character loves donuts? Which Dune character loves donuts? I got no clue. Duncan, Idaho. Wow. Duncan? Uh, yeah, good. One of Whatever. our favorite places, right? <laughs> Dunkin' Dunkin' Donuts. Or it's just Dunkin' now. It's not Dunkin' Donuts. It's just, just Dunkin'. Dunkin'. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're too cool for the donuts. They're more than donuts. Very nice. Clever. Are we going to end on that? I hope not. <laughs> <laughs>